But there was a nice old lady who had been cruising a crowded parking lot, looking for a parking spot. And uh, she see a, a car, you know, someone kind of ready to back out. So she just there patiently with her turn signal like she's supposed to do. She did all the right thing. And when that car backed out, a young lady in a Volkswagen Beetle um, zip in in front of that old lady car. You know, she was driving a Mercedes, so she was driving a real nice fancy car. And, and this little young lady zip in and took her parking spot. And, and, and the young lady got out, and the, and the old lady kind of rolled down her window and said, excuse me, but, you know, that was, <laughs> that was my parking spot. And, and the young lady just kind of laughed at her and said, you know, that's what you can do when you're young and quick. So deal with it, sister. Yeah. Well, the young girl was walking away, and she heard the sound of a crash. And she turned around to see that that lady in the Mercedes ramming her car, backing up and hitting it again, backing it up and hitting it again. The young lady's like, what is going on? She starts to cry. She goes and says, what are you, what are you doing? And the old lady rolled down the window and she said, that's what you can do when you're old and rich. <laughs> so deal with it, sister. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about revenge today, all right? And uh, we're going to talk about how Joseph overcame revenge. We're in a series called Overcomer. We talk about how Joseph overcame uh, anxiety. We talk about how he overcame temptations. We talk about how he overcame discouragement. And, uh, and maybe you haven't been with us, um, or maybe you're not that familiar with the story, but I'm going to give you the Wikipedia version of the story of Joseph to kind of catch everyone up to speed. 17 years old, he's the, 11, he's the 11th of 12 sons, the favorite son of his father. And all his other brothers are brothers from another mother. I, literally, there were two wives, there were two mistresses, one household, lots of fireworks. And so Jacob, the dad, he doesn't even try to pretend that Joseph's not his favorite. You know, he gives him all the extra privileges. He, he makes a nice multicolored robe and gives it to Joseph. And Joseph kind of struts around, you know, he knows that he's the dad's favorite. And the brothers hate him. They're furious with him. Eventually, they see an opportunity uh, to kill him, but instead of killing him, they sold him to slavery to a bunch of slave traders on their way to Egypt. And so here's Joseph. He goes to Egypt. He's bought out by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is a high-ranked uh, military man in Egypt. And, uh, and, and Joseph is a very lowly person as a slave, but he works his way up, and, uh, and you know, he's got integrity, he, he's uh, of high character, and uh, eventually, Potiphar puts him in charge of his household, of everything in his household, except for Potiphar's wife. But she comes to Joseph, she tries to seduce him, you know, seduce him, and, and Joseph, you know, he said, ma'am, you know, I cannot do that, I cannot go to bed with you, and she was furious. That was the right answer, but, that was the, you know, but there were many wrong consequences because of his right decision. And so she gets mad. She, you know, she accused him of rape, and he tells Potiphar, and Potiphar, he gets mad, and, and, and Potiphar throws Joseph into prison. And so here he is. He's in prison, and one day, uh, 
the warden said, you know what, Joseph? You're, you're incredible. I'm going to put you in charge of all the prisoners. And so guys just keep blessing them in different ways. And uh, one day there were these two guys that came in. They were uh, thrown into prison. They were from Pharaoh's household. Uh, the chief baker and the cupbearer. And they both one day had dreams. And Joseph interpreted their dreams. He, he said to the baker, you're going to die. And he did. And, and then he told the other guy, he said, hey, you're going to live. In fact, you're going to be rehired, restored back into the palace. And that happened. And just before the cupbearer was to leave prison, Joseph kind of hollered at him and said, listen, don't forget about me. You know, just, you know, name drop me if you can. You know, don't forget who I am. And, and, and so the guy said, okay, but then he forgot. And so two years go by and Joseph is still in prison. Finally, one day, Pharaoh has a dream, and it's driving him crazy. He tried to find an interpretation for the dream, and nobody could interpret the dream. The cupbearer, all of a sudden, remembers Joseph. He said, hey, hey, I know a guy. And so they bring up Joseph. Joseph comes up out of prison into the palace, and the Pharaoh, you know, he tells him the dream. Joseph interprets the dream. In short, the dream that Pharaoh had, it meant this, that there will be seven years of fruitfulness, seven years of, of harvest, seven years of a great economy. But then after those seven great years, it can be seven terrible years of the worst famine that this world has ever seen. And, and so, you know, uh, Pharaoh, he hears all this, and he says, oh man, this is terrible. But then I love this about Joseph. He gives him a strategy. He gave him a game plan. He said, if you were that pile during the next seven years, then you'll be able to weather the storm weather the, the famine the following seven years. And, and Pharaoh loved that. He said, man, not only do you tell me about a problem, but you tell me a solution. I like solution people. And so and I like problem solvers. And so he elevates Joseph from the prison, from a prisoner to the second in command of the country. Basically a prime minister, so to speak. And Joseph at this point in time is 30 years old. It's been 13 years since he's been sold into slavery to his brothers. And so now, today's story, we're going to fast forward another 10 years. Joseph is now 39, 40 years old in chapter 42. We're in the middle of that second seven years. The first seven years of fruitfulness is already passed. Now we're about year two into that, seven, into that second seven years, that year two of the worst famine that they ever had. But because of Joseph's leadership, Egypt is doing okay because they have stockpiled, they were prepared for the worst famine in the world. And so um, all of a sudden, we're going to see something happen here, and we see an opportunity for Joseph. We, he has an opportunity for revenge. And we're going to talk about how he overcame revenge as we study the story. I'm going to give us three quick lessons as we unpack this amazing story. Number one, if you're taking notes, we have a desire. A desire for revenge is a natural human response. A desire for revenge is a natural human response. So here's Joseph leading Egypt. You're the only nation that's prepared for the famine. This is not just a localized famine. This is a worldwide famine. And, uh, and so they're the only nation, the only country that, get, that has food and supply. And one day, Joseph is minding his own business when he sees the silhouettes of his ten brothers walking into town. 
And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 42, verse number 6. Since Joseph was a governor of all Egypt, and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? He demanded. They said, from the land of Canaan, we have come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. And he remembered the dreams he had about them many years before. He said to them, you are spies. You have come to see how vulnerable, how weak our land has become. You know, how many times do you think, how many times do you think that Joseph relived that day when his brothers threw him in the pit and then sold him into slavery? That's 23 years now. 23 years later, and the perfect opportunity for revenge presents itself. I mean, Joseph, listen, Joseph had the means, right? He had unlimited powers. Joseph, he had the motives, right? I mean, these guys ruined over half of his life. Joseph also had the opportunity. I mean, they're right there in front of him, bowed down before him, and didn't even know who he was. And if this had been a movie made in Hollywood, because Hollywood loves these kind of movies. They love the kind of stories. You know, they love the kind of story where it's a comeback and a little bit of a revenge. And if this was a story made in Hollywood, Joseph would have had them all tortured and thrown in the rivers with crocodiles, right? He would have, he would have gloated. He would have been like, hey, how do you like me now, huh? You know, you think I'm a little crazy? Have you met my crocodile, right? I mean, that's how he would have rolled, all right? That's how Hollywood would have made it, you know? But here we see Joseph. He was tempted to get even just like all of us are sometimes. Now, at first, he spoke harshly to them, accused them of being spies. But here's what we need to understand, that the desire for revenge is a part of a sinful human nature. It's a natural response for all of us. In fact, our natural response is not to just get even. If someone hurts us, you know, we want to hurt them more. That's our natural response. That's how we're wired in a sinful nature. The story about a woman who was uh, mad because of her cheating husband had left her, you know, and, uh, for another woman. And, uh, and she was just upset. She was walking one day along the beach and saw this little lamp. She picks up the lamp and blows it and kind of rubs it and out comes the genie. And the genie says, hey, you got three wishes. Just remember, though, any wishes you make, your ex-husband gets twice the wish that you make. And so, you know, the woman thought about it and said, okay, um, my first wish, I like $5 million. I wish for $5 million and proof $5 million. And she said, you know, what did my husband get? And she said, well, he got $10 million. And then she said, all right, well, my second wish, I'll take a five-carat diamond ring. And poof, she got the five-carat diamond ring. But then the genie said, yeah, you know, your husband, your ex-husband got the 10-carat diamond ring. And so she got one more wish and the woman said, you know, she's thinking about it. And then she said, no, I know what I want for my final wish. I want you to scare me half to death. <laughs> uh, y'all, y'all wake up here, all right? 
I expect, you know, the nine o'clock gave me a better laugh. Come on. There we go. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> you know, but you know, listen, that's just our nature. You know, we want those who have hurt us to suffer more than we have. We just, that's how we play. That's how we're wired. In fact, some people think that's what the Bible teaches. They believe that the Bible says something like, you know, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And they get it from this passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 21, verse 23. It said, if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury. Life for a life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, burn for a burn, a wound for a wound. You know, a bruise for a bruise. And people that believe in revenge say, hey, this is what the Bible says. You know, this is how I'm supposed to roll. But here's what we need to know about these verses. These verses were written in the context of a legal code that was to be applied by the judges of Israel alone. This was never intended for a personal behavior. This was not what God was teaching his people how to live. But our natural response, you know, our desire is if someone puts out one eye, I'm going to take out both of your eyes. But when it comes to personal behavior, the Old Testament teaches us that revenge is wrong. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, it said, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelites, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, one of the, the most important questions you can ever ask yourself in every situation is this. It's not a question I made up. This is something I read, but profound. And the question is, if you're taking note, what does love, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? And in a need for getting back, in a need for revenge, we should always ask ourselves, what does love Require of me. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got the love of God inside of you. You have to love with, without conditions. We have to love. What does love require of me? The second lesson about revenge is this that personal revenge corrupts God's plan of justice. Personal revenge corrupts God's plan of justice. Now, when we try to take matters in our hands, we will always make a big mess. We will go overboard when we try to take it in our own hands. Maybe you can relate if you're a parent. You can, we might relate to the story. You know, my son Nathan, uh, when he was three, maybe three years old, four years old, um, we're, having, we're having our breakfast. He's having a bowl of cereal. I'm having a bowl of cereal. And I'm kind of minding my own business a little bit, you know, and kind of and lost, wasn't focused on what was happening, but he decided. He wanted a second bowl of cereal. And instead of asking me, he said, Dad, can you pour me a little bit more cereal? He thought he would take matters into his own hand. And you can just think about what a three-year-old can do with a box of cereal. He's going to take it, and he's going to tip it upside down, right? And now it's a big mess, huge mess. And I thought, Nathan, I could have done it for you. He said, oh, Dad, I'm sorry. You know, and we, had, we fixed it up, and it's no big deal, right? But that's pretty much God's view of us when it comes to revenge. And God's going to say, will you just give me the box? You know, I'll do it. Just give me the box. I'll do it. You're just going to make a big mess. Let me bring justice. Let me take care of business. And say, listen, God cares more about justice 
than anybody in this room. And if you put the box in his hand, he will pour it out. He will pour out the right amount. He will, he will, he will do exactly what needs to be done. But when we get impatient, when we take the box back away from God, I promise you, we're just going to make a big mess every time. We'll go overboard. We're just going to dump it. It's going to be more than, than it's going to be a big, huge mess. It's cause lots of problems. And I believe that Joseph is having a struggle of forgiveness versus revenge. Man, he got the box. He got the box. The man, I could give those guys for what for and dump the box on them. The box of revenge. But he, we see the struggle. And ultimately, he gives this box to God. I, mean, I want you to think about what would happen if Joseph taken that box of revenge and took matters in his own hand and dumped it. Think about what would have happened. He would have destroyed the chance of ever seeing his father again. The father that he loved so much. In fact, killing his brother would have even made it worse. You know, now his father would have been even more devastated to find out that, he, that his, all of his sons are gone. If he had his brother killed, think about this, then Joseph would have destroyed the only bloodline of the future Messiah would have taken matters into his own hand. If Joseph had done that, he would have messed up what God was doing. You know, have you ever heard the expression, you know, that revenge is so sweet, but it's not. It stinks. It stinks. Anyone who's ever gotten revenge, now we'll talk about a bitter aftertaste. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Dear friends, never take revenge. Don't go there. Don't take the box of revenge and do it yourself. He said, leave that to the righteous anger of God. Let him handle it. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. We need to give that box of revenge to God. Let him sort out the rewards. Let him sort out the consequences. But when we try to be the judge and jury, we try to take over God's plan. We're, we'll mess it up. So the third lesson I want you to learn today is this. When you accept God's grace, you'll be graceful to others. When you accept the grace of God in your life, you'll learn to be graceful to other people. Now, we don't have time to really look at chapter 43 and chapter 44. I'm going to give you you know, if you have the time, I'm going to encourage you to read it. But um, chapter 43, chapter 44, you know, Joseph tests the brothers. They still don't know who he is. He wants to see if their hearts have changed. And it's kind of going back and forth, back and forth. Very interesting uh, story. And so, but we kind of, we're going to skip down to chapter 45. Chapter 45, Joseph finally reveals himself to the brothers. Verse number one. Chapter 45, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendant, Out, all of you. So he was along with his brothers when he told them who he was. It's at this point, Joseph realized that his brothers has have a change of heart. He realized that his brothers have changed since the days that he knew them, he knew them when they sold him into slavery. He saw that there was a real change in their lives. And so in verse 2, he broke down. The Bible said he wept. He wept. 
so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him, and words of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Now please come closer. And so they did. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourself for selling to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. He said, this famine that has ravaged the land for two years is going to last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting for the next five years. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. He's the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. And then we see in verses uh, 9, 10, 11, where he invites the brothers to go home, get the family, move back to Egypt, and that he would take care of them for the rest of their lives. Talk about forgiveness right here. It's amazing. In verse number 15, Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. In other words, at this point, Joseph, the prime minister, took off his prime minister hat and said, now I'm a brother. Let's have a conversation. He got on the level with them. Instead of seeking revenge against his brothers, Joseph showed kindness. He didn't do what came natural. He did what only comes supernatural, the forgiveness that he gave them. See, Joseph realized that God had blessed him by putting him in Egypt, that God had a plan in all of this, by promoting him to be the prime minister. And it was out of this gratitude that, 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 uh, to God that he found the strength to forgive his brothers. Because of God's grace in his life, Joseph was able to offer grace to his family. Let me ask you this. Has there been someone in your life who has hurt you? Has there been someone in your life who has caused great harm or pain? Again, our natural urge, you know, our natural desire is to get back at them. But if Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins, you have a new nature. And within that new nature, you have the power to forgive. You have the power to forgive because of what Christ did for you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. So get rid of it. How you get rid of it? It's at verse 32. Be kind. Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiven one another, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know what forgiveness is? 
you're taking notes. Forgiveness is giving others what God has given to you. It's giving others what God gave us in Christ. It's offering the people the same grace that God has offered to you and to me. It's not just being a recipient of the grace of God, but it's the giving of his grace to others. What grace? Grace is God giving us what we need, not what we deserve. We're all sinners, every one of us. And we deserve death. Every one of us deserves hell. But God, in his wonderful grace, he gives us his mercy and forgiveness. See, we need it. We don't deserve it, but we need it. And he gives us exactly what you and I need. And for some of you here today, you say, man, I, 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 maybe there's a next step you need to take. That's the question we ask all the time. What is your next step? What is your next step in God? And for some of you, maybe one of three areas that I'm talking to in this room as we close out. Maybe your next step is you need God's grace and forgiveness. Maybe that's your next step. We're talking about forgiveness and you say, you know what? I need to receive the forgiveness of God in my life. And God is waiting to offer it to you. He wants to offer you his grace and forgiveness. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He said, the Lord is, he's a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. A Christian attorney, a lawyer, you know, he got involved in a small group, Bible study. And after studying some scriptures about grace, he decided to forgive the debt of all his clients who owed him money for more than six months. He sent out 17 letters by certified mail telling the client that their debt was forgiven. Imagine his surprise when 16 of the 17 letters came back unsigned and undelivered. 16 of the 17 clients must have been afraid that the attorney was suing them for their debt. So they refused to accept the letter. That's pretty amazing. But what's even more amazing is the God who created you is offering you to cancel your sins and to forgive you. And what's sad is that so many people won't even open the letter that announces their forgiveness. Maybe that's you today. God wants you to forgive. God wants to forgive you. Will you ask him for it? Will you receive it? Maybe that's your next step. Perhaps another, uh, another group of people, your next step might be that you are, at a place, you are at a place right now where you need to forgive someone in your life. Maybe someone has treated you badly at Joseph brothers had done to Joseph. Maybe you, maybe you feel wounded and they, you still feel the pain. The pain is deep. 
My friend, I'm going to encourage you to give up on the desire for revenge, and instead, I'm going to ask you to do something that's totally supernatural, not natural to forgive. It's supernatural to forgive. And I'm going to ask you to, to take that next step to forgive that person that hurt you, that wounded you. And you may object. You say, Scott, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And that may be true, but neither do we deserve to be forgiven by God. See, that's what grace is. You see, it takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to believe that on the other side of the offense, that there's something better than holding a grudge. If you're taking note, the best healing happens on the other side of pain. And some of you, you want to stay stuck in the pain. You, won't, you don't want to go through the pain. And, and, and because you won't go through the pain, you don't experience healing. This is where bitterness comes in. And you're stuck, that's where you're stuck at. But when you get through the other side of you, it can bring healing. See, forgiveness, it, it doesn't change the past, right? Forgiveness doesn't change what he did or what she said. It doesn't change the betrayal. But forgiveness, it changes your soul. Forgiveness, it changes your future. What is forgiveness? It's given to others the very same thing that God has given to us. Again, we ask that question, what does love require of me to the person that has hurt me? What does love require of me? But then there's another next step as we close out. <coughs> Perhaps a person in your life that you need to go to for forgiveness. You need to ask someone to forgive you. You've harmed somebody, and you know it. Don't try to justify what you've done. Don't put it off. I'm going to challenge you to go to them. Say the seven words that can transform a broken relationship. I was wrong. Will you Forgive me. Forgiveness is one of the greatest needs in the human heart. There was an author slash atheist. Didn't believe in God. Hated, you know, didn't believe that heaven and hell existed. Her name was Marganita Lasky. Now, before she died in 1988, she was being interviewed on TV, and she said this, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I envy that. And said, I have nobody to forgive me. How sad. How sad it is to come to the end of your life and have nobody to forgive you. But my friend, you don't have to. See, God's forgiveness is available. And he wants to forgive you. All you have to do is turn to him.
and faith. So we can overcome the need for revenge because of who Jesus is, because of what God did for us. And we see the beautiful story of Joseph come to a wonderful conclusion, full circle, where at the end of the day, he forgave his brothers and God blessed them for the rest of their lives. See, God blessing in your life. It can be so much there, but some of you are holding back the blessing of God because you refuse to forgive. Won't you do it today? Who is it that you need to reach out? Who is it that you need to forgive? Maybe it's someone that's way back. Maybe that person's not even alive anymore. You can still forgive. Let go so that you can go through a process of healing after the pain. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. God, there's many next steps here today. Maybe there's someone here that needs to receive your forgiveness. Maybe there's someone here that needs to seek your salvation. They've never asked you into a relationship at all. God, I pray that they understand that that your forgiveness is available no matter what we've done. Or maybe we're a Christian and we've just not been living a Christian life. We've not been following Jesus. God, I know that you said that you will forgive us of our sins every time we ask, that you are faithful to forgive us. And so God, I pray that we will come to you and seek your face in the matter and our sins and give it to you. And perhaps, God, there's some of us here that we need to forgive someone. We need to let go of this need for revenge. In fact, God, some of us, we need to give you the box of revenge. We need to let you take care of it before we make a big mess to trust you to do the, to do the justice that that person will get. But it will be under your timing. And God, you know what's best for the situation. And so, God, I pray that we will forgive. And then, God, maybe there's someone we need to reach out this week. Maybe that's our next step. We need to forgive. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to go to a person. And, God, whether that person accepts our forgiveness or not, God, I pray that we will do our part and to go to that person, to be bold, to have the courage to ask for forgiveness. Help us not to justify it. Help us not to delay. Help us do the right thing. And so, God, we ask you to help us here as we pivot to the next few minutes of our, of, our, of our service this morning as we look to uh, be a blessing to some uh, great Christian organizations in our community so that we can reach them for Jesus and help them to continue to make an impact in their world. And so God, we ask you to bless our greater things offering in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what's going to happen here. Um, in just a minute, we're going to be able to come up here and we'll have it systematically a little bit so it's not all of us all at once. And, um, and so uh, if you didn't bring a bucket or didn't bring money but you wanted to be involved, you can go online and do that as well. If you want to get your kids, you want to say, I want my kids to be a part of it because maybe they help drop change in the bucket. This is a great teaching moment. We're going to get our, our kids and they're going to be a part of it. And so feel free to do so if you like, you know, in just a minute. You know, in, in fact, why don't you just go ahead and just 
get your kids. And when you come back in, you're going to come down these aisle, not the middle aisle, but these aisle right here, not the one on the far wall, but right here, this aisle, and then this aisle right here as well. So you're going to come down, and, and, then, uh, and then everyone will leave out this way and then come back to your seat and we'll wrap up the service. And so we'll start with these two sections. You're going to use this aisle, of course, kind of work your way through, come, come this way, and then you can uh, go out the middle aisle. Again, these two sections, use this middle aisle, and, uh, and then come out this way. So when the music begins, Tom can start singing in a few minutes. We're going to stand. Don't have to wait. All right, don't wait for me to get started. Um, you just get going. So we'll start with the two outside section, and then, you know, when, when it starts to slow down, the two minute section, you just make it happen, all right? If someone just gotta step out and make it happen, lead the way, and uh, bring your bucket, however you like to do it. Uh, if you've got change in your pockets, you that's how you're able to give today, or a check or cash, however God wants to bless, everything that goes in this offering going to go to greater things in our city. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in the next few minutes. And so Tom, can I sing? And as you sing, these side sections, you move forward. <laughs> 